Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax, and it's a pleasure to be with you today as we explore the important element of using real estate investing to build legacy. Daniel Farber is the CEO of HLC Equity and responsible for leading the executive team on strategy and execution of growth for HLC Equity's investment portfolio. And he leads the group's operating businesses and brands. So we are pleased to have Daniel with us. So Daniel, take us into the show by sharing a memorable experience from your formative years that helped to shape who you are today. Sure. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate it. So, you know, when you, when you ask the question, obviously there are lots every day, there's some sort of memorable experience that, that impacts, but I think that what kind of stuck out right away was actually a, a negative thing that happened, which eventually turned positive. So um, when I was 18, you know, feeling very young, healthy, vibrant, and uh, actually on my way in, in, in um, about to join the military in Israel, suddenly I had a back injury, uh, which came out of nowhere. I was just running and I felt a little irk in my back. And um, I, slip, I, I had two slip discs in my back. And for me, that was like, it, it like crushed, you know, my plans and I didn't know what I was going to do. And it, it, it turned into the, you know, it was this big thing and it took months of recovery. Slip discs, you know, they sound very bad. And so when the doctor told me that, I thought it was very bad and it felt very bad because they really do. But then when you like really dig in, especially when you're younger, they're actually, you know, highly treatable and you can live with them and you can actually thrive with them. And so that uh, really forced me to focus in on, on kind of like more important exercise, like core exercise and uh, just overall being uh, strong in, in my body. And then also the mental ways of dealing with it. And so that got me to a, you know, a rhythm of basically being forced to try and stay in shape because if not, then I just like fall apart. And it's something that I'm constantly, you know, trying to work on and I, and, and it comes back and I have recurrences, but it's definitely something that has, you know, there's many other examples, but that's something that kind of sticks out is a, a something that started as a negative and kind of just try to make the most positive out of it as possible. Well, a good lesson to learn, particularly for an 18-year-old. It's not curable, so you still have the slip disc. You just have to learn to live with them. Is that, is that the yeah, case? Yeah, and there's, yeah. there are books on it, and there's all kinds of, and there's all types of different mental games that you can actually play, and you can learn the connection between your mind and your body and how it influences. Mm -hmm. And so that it, it really has been a learning experience, you know, dealing with it. And, you know, thankfully, I consider it a minor issue compared to, you know, the many issues that are out there health-wise, but it's just something that, you know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of has been a learning experience. Well, mind, body, and spirit are certainly things we all need to pay attention to and often don't until something stops us like that and right. makes us pay attention to it. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, Daniel, tell us what you mean by legacy. Sure. So, you know, legacy obviously can mean a whole lot to, to different people. And I think that that's kind of, um, you know, that, that's what's special about it in the sense that a legacy can be a book that somebody leaves for someone, right? Values that people leave for someone, uh, you know, in, in, in that, that you teach. I mean, that is that is definitely when we speak of legacy, that's definitely a big part of it. And then obviously on the investment side, we have the financial side of the of a financial legacy and how are people able to you know build up enough financial stability in order to be able to leave something and also just generally create something and, and the interesting thing about it is that 
if you are able to build up that sort of financial legacy, it gives you a whole lot of more time and freedom to focus on what other, you know, what a lot of people may consider the more important legacy items like values, time spent with family, uh, you know, in, in religion, uh, faith, all, all that stuff. Well, you say that legacy is your big why for investing in real estate. What makes it the big why? Well, so I think that real estate, for me, it's it's two different things, right? So I have my my job, which is we at HLC Equity now took an investment platform and we built it out into something that offers a passive investment in real estate for people. So my day job, that is what I do is we work constantly for passive investors. Now, I'm also enjoying that and benefiting from it because I'm invested passively also in all of our deals. And that, that is really where we're, we're able to kind of like build, build that legacy. So obviously, you know, like as a young professional, I'm able to work in the work that I enjoy doing because I love what we're doing. I love, you know, what we're building. I love the people that we're working with and, and what we're building. That's my profession. And I'm also able to put savings and my investment dollars into this passive investment that grows appreciates, tax-wise depreciates, and offers passive income you know, to offset the expenses of life. Well, what are the key components of investing for multi-generational legacy? Yeah, I think, I think that the, the most important component in my mind is the kind of taking the long-term approach versus uh, short-term thinking. I think that especially in today's day and age, Robinhood, stock market, crypto, I mean, all of those, you know, asset classes have their benefits and I'm not against any one of them. And I think, you know, like that, I'm not trying to be to serve. This isn't a financial advisor interview, so I'm not going to speak to what the percentages should be or shouldn't be. But um, I think that, you know, real estate within that context, it really uh, proven that over time, when you hold real estate and it's solid real estate that's bought right, and it's financed well over the long term, uh, you know, you, you can benefit. So I think that's one of the long, the key factors. And, and, and that obviously plays also in a legacy because, you know, legacy is a long term play. It's not a short term type of play. Well, you talk about long term and short term. And you've mentioned, I guess, some of the examples of short term or Robin Hood, uh, cryptocurrencies, different things like that. Well, what is the big difference really between long term and uh, short term? So, you know. I think that well, let me let me let me take it here. So it used to be if we go back into what real estate used to be. Real estate used to be consolidated into dozens of families that were extremely wealthy and they owned most of the real estate in a city, a town, whatever it may be, and they just held it. If you were lucky enough to be one of those maybe, you know, in New York it was something like 12 families, right? In 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 every city kind of has these few families. If you were lucky enough to be in that bunch, Really, the, the way that they benefited and they really grew their wealth was holding out over the long term and holding the real estate, benefiting from the, you know, all the benefits of real estate, appreciation, depreciation, passive income, and, and refinancing, not paying taxes on constant sales and so on and so forth. Today, the real estate market is much different. Investors have kind of like they've gotten used to some of these new features that are all out there, which is like, hey, we have a real estate deal and it's, you know, a two year hold, which, you know, there are some deals that should be, you know, that should be that. But when we're talking about really building up a real estate portfolio for the long term, the better play is not to, you know, get into a deal, pay a bunch of expenses to get in that deal, then be in the deal for a little bit. Yeah, you probably you may have even, you know, doubled your money, 
but then you paid a bunch of taxes, got it out, and then you sit around for another three, four, maybe half a year, sometimes much more, and say, okay, well, how do I reinvest it? But if you keep it invested, generate income, and then the, with that income, use a percentage that you may want you know, for, for your life or whatever it may be and reinvest the rest. I think that that's what, when we talk about long-term investments and really impactful, building impactful legacies, that's, that's really what it's about. So even in real estate, you could have short-term investments and it just depends on your investment strategy. I guess some people do use that short-term, but the long-term is really where you're going to go to, to actually develop that legacy wealth. And from my perspective, that certainly is where you're going to get all of the benefits. You're going to get the appreciation, the depreciation, uh, the leverage and all of those very important things to real estate investing. And yet I know there are people who are doing this on a short-term basis. I frankly don't understand them. It's just, I don't know, they're missing well, well, out on so much. Go ahead. Right. No, well, I, 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 I yes, I, I agree. And, um, you know, there are transactions that we've done where, especially with investors, where there's a certain expectation for a shorter-term investment. And if it makes sense and we do sell within two years and we deliver it, you know, a phenomenal return to our investors. We have done that. And I'm not bashing that. I don't think it's the worst. But if you're talking about long term and really benefiting from the benefits of real estate, then it is a long term play. And for those people that think that it, it should only be about the shorter term investments, I encourage them to look at a closing statement of a real estate transaction so they can realize how many taxes they pay and title fees and all these fees that add up every single closing, as opposed to just keeping it invested, refinancing it in order to pull out cash and to continue with the investment and to build up a long-term portfolio. Yes, it's very expensive to transfer property. I mean, attorney fees, inspection fees, all the various different transfer taxes you're talking about, the list goes on and on. So there are different classes, of course, in real estate. Take us through some of the different classes and the different impacts up on legacy with these different classes? Sure, definitely. So our main focus uh, at HLC Equity right now is not what we originally started on. So again, we're a 70 plus year, you know, multi-generational real estate investment company. So we've seen several different cycles, you know, throughout the firm history, how different asset classes have performed. So right now our main focus is the multifamily space and specific growth markets. And so, you know, within multifamily, we, we buy basically a hundred plus units. We used to focus more on value add deals. We don't think that the actual value is in are primarily in a lot of those value add deals that we see today. So we're actually more focused on owning high quality core, core plus type of properties that can last over a 10 to 20 year period and remain very healthy, you know, in terms of the bones of the building and the financials and so forth. Then another, an asset class that we actually used to be very involved in, we still do have some involvement and we do manage a legacy portfolio is uh, in the net lease space. So major tenants like CVS and Walgreens and Staples and uh, the list goes on and on and on. All the you know major retailers, basically they rent their buildings from us. Many circumstances, most circumstances, especially if it's a triple net lease, they are responsible for the vast majority of the expenses. When we were buying it, the cap rates that we were able to buy it at were, um, you know, were, were very attractive, and and the the spread that we could make and the, the overall return we were could make was very attractive. Those uh, returns have gone down as the economy got 
you know, hotter and hotter, but overall there, you know, there can be very interesting deals found within that net lease space. And we also have dealt with just, uh, you know, retail shopping centers and so forth. Right now, there's obviously a lot of turmoil in, in, in that space between everything going on with the economy and Obviously, e-commerce has has shifted that asset class in a big way. It doesn't mean that there aren't you know good investments um, in that asset class, but it, it's more challenging, a lot more challenging than it used to be. So, talk to us a little bit about multifamily, and you talked about uh, value add properties, which do so much of now, but do the high quality core properties. What is the difference between a value add and a high quality core property? Sure. So what we traditionally used to do with our value add deals is we basically, you know, you're buying a slightly older building, call it something that was built in the 1970s, 1980s, sometimes 1990s. They're older, they need, you know, a lot of fixing up both within the units and, and also outside of the units. So you go in, you have a big capital budget, and you go in and you make these enhancements. And for those enhancements, there's a very clear calculation. If I invest, call it $4,000 in this unit, I expect to receive, call it $100 on, on each unit, and you have that calculation, which you run through the entire property. And that made a lot of sense over the last few years, and it also made a lot of sense financially. It also made a lot of sense because we were improving the communities that we operate, right? So we were able to bring them up and make them nicer, and they, they, they just needed a little you know, love and care. As the economy got hotter and hotter and hotter, cap rates you know, basically the relationship between the, the income and the values we're able to buy it at, they became, you know, more compressed and more compressed and more compressed. All of a sudden, we felt like, you know, if we're paying such a low cap rate for these value add deals, we might as well get a really, you know, nice building because they're, they were, you know, basically the trading at the same cap rates. And, and now they're maybe a little bit, a cap rate on a nice building, maybe a bit, little bit lower, but it's not nearly the same amount of capital expenses you need to make, a lot less risk to it. And the you know sentiment up there you know maybe a, a, a greater recession coming. I don't play the game of trying to forecast what will be or won't be. My job is to be prepared for any circumstance. So you know the thought is these are high quality buildings that are you know considered class A, but that's garden style. So we're not talk, talking ultra luxury stuff that you know people can afford within the metros where we where we are. But they're very nice, beautiful buildings, and they are built usually in. 2000 in newer. So, you know, we bought last year, we bought a building that was made, that was uh, built in 2008 and 2013. We just bought a brand new building from the developer. So we come to an arrangement where they develop it and we take the risk of leasing up the property because we, you know, have confidence that we'll be able to lease it up. We get a little bit of a discount for that. It's a great arrangement for the developer, great arrangement for us. And so, and then we have a brand new class A building, which is what we just, uh, one, a property we just closed on about a month or two ago. Sounds like a good strategy there. Well, Daniel, how do we navigate these uncertain times to maintain that investment strategy for the legacy? I think that's a question everybody is asking, particularly now in these uncertain times. Right. So I'm, I'm originally, I'm from Colorado and, you know, there's the term getting over your skis. So I think that, um, you know, over the last, I, I mean, this happened pre-2007, 2008, you know, it's been happening, whether we'll have the same impact in, in, in overall, you know, recession, I obviously hope not. And it's also not my job to predict that. It's my job to, again, be ready for all circumstances. And so what we do is to try, I mean, is to buy, like I said, high quality assets to leverage them 
in a smart way where you're not taking on too much debt risk and, and also to invest with well-seasoned operators with a proven track record, which is key. Um, that those those kind of, I think, are, are if I kind of needed to identify the three items, you know, that in, in terms of going into this um, unknown, you know, economy and, 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 you know, turmoil in the economy. So it's buying a good solid asset that, you know, is going to last for a reasonable length of time. Mm-hmm. and leveraging it properly. Talk to us a little bit about the leveraging and how you arrange those, those leveraging deals there. Well, it's very dependent on the, on the economics of the, of the deal, um, obviously. In general, what we, what we try to do is to put fixed rate debt on, on all of our deals. And if, if um, you know, I mean, like just as an example, I mentioned before that we took a, you know, we, we did a lease up deal where we have to lease it up. So on those you can't really do fixed rate right away. So we, t- we don't do it super high leverage. We try and be within the you know, 60 to 70% leverage. And, uh, and, and as soon as we can put fixed rate debt on, we do put fixed rate debt on. Most of our deals are fixed rate from the beginning. And again, and, and, and just to make sure that the cash flows are, um, you know, are healthy. Now, I will say over the last year and a half, it's been very hard to do that just because the properties have gotten bid up so high the spread between the you know the cap rate that is being bought at in debt was has become so um, dense that it's been it's been a real challenge to to do that. But I um, I think those fundamentals is as close as you can get to that are very important in terms of getting into real estate transactions that will last over the long period of time. Yes, that leverage is is so so very very important, and it makes such a difference when the economy does turn down. I mean, as long as everything's going along fine and you've got uh, your units rented up, you can always make those mortgage payments, you lose tenants, then your first question is, how do I make that mortgage payment? And if you're just highly leveraged, it's going to be impossible to do that. Well, any other suggestions on what steps can be taken to build wealth for generations? Um, Other than items that we've discussed, I mean, I think I just want to uh, you know, reiterate that I think that the, you know, more important than the deal is, is, is the sponsor that's behind it. First of all, they should, you know, definitely have skin in the game. So with us, with HLC Equity, when we built out our platform for people to invest alongside us, it wasn't always, you know, a platform that, that uh, people could actually invest alongside us. It was just principal capital. And then we opened it up for other investors. And so, you know, now investors like to know that, okay, they're they're doing this deal and we can invest with them as opposed to you know um sponsors that you know uh, uh, maybe in, in a different uh situation because they haven't done a lot of deals or so forth so on and so forth so i think it's really important the sponsor their track record and the and the team uh that that's behind it um and i think that you know that 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 is you know most important especially if you want to be passive which is is the beauty of investing in real estate today is you can truly be you know very passive and and also we you know we were talking before about mortgages and so forth i mean if you're a passive investor you're an lp you take on no no risk other than you know your investment which obviously is very important but sponsors are taking on you know a significant amount of risk well, Daniel, tell us how it is that we can get in touch with you, take advantage of your expertise and wisdom. Sure. Well, so anybody, I, we, we welcome everybody to, to visit our website. Uh, it's hlcequity.com. Um, it'll be in the show notes. 
And uh, from there, we have lots of content that we put out. We just put out uh, reports and an overall campaign that we're doing in order to kind of like shed some light on our thoughts on the 2022 economic outlook. So you can go on to, uh, you can even go right to it. It's hlcequity.com slash 2022 outlook. And uh, we have lots of other content, videos, lots of stuff there. And uh, it would be great. Um, also, if people want to uh, sign up for our newsletter, we have a newsletter that goes out. It's weekly and it uh, you know provides lots of content, lots of articles of stuff we're reading and also internal content that we build. And it shows transactions that we're doing so that people can stay you know informed. And you also have a report on the current outlook on the economy. So viewers and listeners, take advantage of that. Go to that. Daniel, it's been wonderful having you today. Thank you for being a guest and enlightened investors. Delighted to be with you again today. I look forward to being with you next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.